Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Robin, and this fortnight on Books That Burn, we are discussing Jade City by Fonda Lee. And for the factions, we have Lan, Hilo, Shay, Andon, and Doru. There are there are so many characters. We are we could Just list a lot. This is one of those books where we about. could list like 20 characters and we said, no, let's not do that <laughs> because yeah. what we're talking about doesn't involve all of them. What you need to know if you haven't read the book is Lan, Hilo, and Shay are siblings. Andan is an adopted cousin and Doru is an older close advisor of Lan, Hilo, and Shay's grandfather. And when we say Andon is an adopted cousin, we mean Andon was their cousin who was adopted to be their sibling, not adopted into a, an, an uncle family. Mm, okay. Just, just, just yeah. to note that, because that could be read two ways. All right. So our first topic is Doru and sexual abuse. So there are a lot of little hints that Doru is like creepy really early on and then um yeah. especially male characters like lan dislike him as a person for reasons they either can't explain or don't think about much it's like that he's odious and they don't like him like is tempered with he's in a position of power and has a job to do that like they really need him to keep doing as the book begins that's the like the, the starting position um and then a little bit later on, we get something from Shay, a female character who had a friend who was abused by Doru. Mm -hmm. And that's where that's where narratively we it, it crosses from. Yeah, he's like old and creepy, but it's hard to know how much is could be like from something that isn't abusive. And then it's like, oh no, please do not misunderstand. 
he is and abuser and when one of the characters thinks of him as a pervert they are not being idiomatic and um yeah that yeah so he one of the things that i appreciated is that it like in the narrative mm-hmm. is that it it makes it clear like structurally why he's gotten away with it and also establishes very early on that there's like at least one main character who is specifically aware of at least some of what he's done and doesn't like him and would want him gone but just currently isn't able to do anything about it right and so as those power positions change it like opens the possibility that maybe something is going to be done about this um and so i i really appreciate um shay's role where uh as she gets the opportunity to try and like stop future harm um she does it and not just as a power move, but as a this was abusive and I need to make it clear to those left in the wreckage that that is that is over. Um, yeah. Uh, do you have any specific thoughts on this? I think that kind of like you said, I think the author did a very good job of like laying those crumbs, those foundations. So it. This was not like necessarily something where you're expected, I think, to go, aha, this is this kind of person. But when it you get that reveal, it makes complete sense. And there isn't like a, a contradictory detail from before that is like in your face or anything. And actually, Robin and I talked a little bit about this when we were doing our notes. Um, I saw that reveal and went, yeah, of course, <laughs> because for me personally, because a a big red flag that I watch for in people is just whether or not they respect the boundaries of other people in general, even when they're non-physical. And this particular character has a habit. This This particular character is the advisor and also is in charge of, of dealing with certain things for Lan. And Doru, we get this this detail later in the book where Doru basically says, like, I'm advising you, but I also know what you need better than you know it yourself. So I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. Instead, I'm going to do what I know you actually wanted, which means that Doru is just doing what he has decided is better for Lan. But the problem is, Lan's decisions are not decisions purely for himself. They are decisions for his entire clan, everybody. And so what Doro is doing is just making decisions that impact a giant number of people at the direct, in direct opposition to what he is being told to do. And we get some hints of that kind of early on. We get like a big reveal later that that's been happening for a long time, but like, We get some hints early on. We get some just like disrespect of of names that he has been 
asked to use. We get some just like, you know, oh, I want to leave or I want to do this thing. And, and Doro saying, or I want you, I'm sorry, I want you to leave or I want you to do this thing. And Doro kind of pushing back like, well, but I, but I think that I shouldn't when it's under Lan's purview. <laughs> um, so, you know, we, we get some of those where it's like he, he's very clearly shown to just have a disregard for other people's agency over things that they are personally responsible for. And yeah, so like the connecting ties that he's yeah. skipping consent yes. in all of these contexts. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and that's yeah. something that, like I said, I pay pretty pretty intense attention to in my personal life. That's a thing that I, I notice because those little boundary tests are so often just a, a, cl- a, a pretty good flag for whether or not somebody will respect things when it's it's going to actually put you in danger or harm you or cross a serious line with you um of of any kind um and and this character just consistently constantly through the book is told hey this is where i want it to be and he goes well but what if i want something else though <laughs> later in the book like we get we are there's a conversation with him where he he basically he explains kind of like why he thinks he's justified in acting this way with relation to the power structure yeah. um not there the discussion is not about the sexual abuse but right like right like the power the power structure generally he's like oh you know like i you know how i worked with you grandfather is that i he didn't have to tell me what he wanted to do i just knew and so it's dodging the hierarchy in in two ways because he's not only is he then not listening to what land wants him to do he is still trying to do what the person who is no longer in power would have wanted him to do or so or what like he has zero assumes. accountability what yeah. he assumes the person what he has decided the this person is who is no yeah. longer in power would have wanted and and part of so you know that's kind of like where he is in the, in this power structure which and then so getting a little bit more specifically into the sexual abuse what he's doing is sexually exploiting and abusing underlings like his he his secretary is very young and female and has her one thing I appreciate is that her exact clothing is not described. There's not yeah. any like voyeuristic thing of what she looks like. What we have is Shay seeing her outfit and going, "Oh no, Dora made her wear that." Just just immediately of like, okay, all right. And so one of like uh, when Shay is in a position to like one of the things that she you know thinks to herself that she's gonna do is like tell that person that she doesn't have to dress that way anymore. And it to be like this visible sign that 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 Doru is like not in this position that he was previously, um, and also like he's the kind of abuser who keeps photos, which is like a particular kind, and that's part of what allows the narrative to bring up the harm that has happened without making it a book 
about the emotional weight of sexual abuse. Yeah. Yeah, because absolutely. Because it's, it's, it's not. No, and it's not. Well, Shay is, like, personally very invested in getting him out because of this thing. She also has other unrelated reasons to want him out. But again, you know, like we said, they're related to the way he skipped consent in all forms, including literally where he is in the hierarchy that is his entire life. If you're going to make any character in the book be a sexual abuser, it is completely consistent with everything about his character that those are also kinds of boundaries that he would transgress. Which is a nice example of you didn't have to make him a sexual abuser in order to make him the bad guy. No, but, but it a fits perfectly kind into... of bad guy would also do that. Yeah, it, it fits perfectly into the type of bad guy that he he is. And it makes a lot of sense. And it also it, it also gives like good character arcs without our main character being an assault victim. That was something that I I know I really kind of noted as I was reading that Shay is the one who who left because of this. Shay is the one who disowned a good part of her family for a while because of this. Or doesn't disown her her brothers, but like her her grandfather and and um and this advisor. Um but Shay is not the victim. Shay didn't have this happen. Shay is also the only like main on-screen female character that we have. And it felt like reading it, it felt like having that happen to a friend but not to her was a very deliberate choice on the author's part because there's so many ways that your 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 single only demonstrated female character <laughs> being the sexual assault victim just not in any particular instance but as a pattern causes a lot of harm and it it felt reading it it felt like this was very deliberate and that this was a like no this is a thing that happened but it didn't happen to me but i will still make yeah you can still champion decisions yeah exactly yeah and um i I think that's going to factor into when we talk about how this was handled but I, I, it was, it was a thing that I, I noticed because you know this, this could have completely been a male character who had a, a friend, who was assaulted, but it wasn't. And, you know, reading it, it, it felt like this was a, a, a deliberate decision, made with a lot of factors. On to Andin and parental death. So his parents died when he was very young. That happens like before the start of the book. And he was Mm -hmm. taken in by the calls. And he feels the gap between blood and adoption like really, really strongly. And is like very worried about his place in relation to the calls. Mm -hmm. And they're like... What do you mean? Your your family. Like <laughs> Yeah. Like why like they don't if they notice that he's worried about it, they seem like 
confused that he would be, but generally speaking, they don't worry very much about it. But uh, the rival clan, the Mountain, Mm -hmm. sees his precarious position and is like, what if he came over to our side? And he's like, not only do I not want to, this is not a real offer because I would die. I would get killed. This what what are you even doing putting me in this position but like anyway so that's kind of like how how that's affecting the current situation in the book but with the death of his parents he's he's very worried that because of genetics or um some more cosmically influenced bad luck that he can't maybe can't have a good outcome because one of his parents was a foreigner and the other was um a drug addict who then died because of that well and uh, uh, we shouldn't say drug we should say jade because that is the big cause- a jade cuz this is Jade well, is not just. She was on SN thing. one. No, 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 Thought. no. That's part of why you. So- oh no, it was just Jade. It was literally just Jade. Okay, yeah. So she. Okay, so Jade addict. And um, but it's important that we Jade- we note here that Jade is not just like a thing. Jade is the thing that everybody in the Kyle family uses. Yes, as a power demonstration. So him being being concerned about that is not like opinion it is like what if i what if i can't handle jade the way everybody in my adoptive part of my Mm -hmm. family because they were already family they're just adopted him as a sibling instead of just a cousin and like he's like essentially what if i can't be useful to them what if i can't do what they can do and they you know kick me out disown me push me away because of it what if i die like this is this is not like what will they think. This is what will happen if I can't measure up. Yeah, because like they're in a very high stakes. Death is a very real danger. I mean, if nothing else, if he can't be useful, then where does he go? Right. You know, does he stay? Does he go? Will they punish him for it? And they don't seem to think so. But everybody else is very aware that like that's a possibility hypothetically. And even with like the mountain uh making that offer they made it when he is still in training and should right. be treated as a child and a non-combatant completely off limits he he doesn't have his jade he he is not one of the fists he's not officially in the hierarchy anywhere and they try and exploit this precarious position and again the he feels the precarious position of he's not like he doesn't feel totally all the way one of them and they see it as oh he was kidnapped we must retaliate this is awful or like you know some of them have the we must retaliate and some of them are like okay this is extremely serious and must be taken very seriously um, yeah, I find it really interesting that the people who have the ability 
to kick him out are the only ones who will never do so. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. You know, th- this is not a precarious position because it's actually precarious. It's just that he thinks of it as precarious and treats it accordingly. And we actually get several, we get several like pieces of other people's point of view where he's got his family members looking at him and going, he's so withdrawn, you know, is he still hurting? Is he okay? Have we not been attentive enough? What can we do? And like, and he's over here like, must not be a liability. <laughs> and like, <laughs> you know, they just want him to, to be there. And it's, but, but at no yeah. point does any of them think like, what if he's worried about this? Because it's not even a concern for them. Yeah. They're like, you know, six months till you graduate. You shouldn't be worrying about it until then. And he's like, people are literally trying to kill you. And some of them kidnap me. <laughs> yeah. I am very worried. Very worried. The, 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 I think the last thing I do want to say, like, specifically about his parents, um, he, he knows both that in order to help the cause, he needs to be good at using this thing that his mom wasn't well, good he enough thinks, at using in a way that contributed to her death. He thinks that in order to help them, he does. They okay, have true, independently right. come up with a lot of ways where if he, even if he can't, it's totally fine. Right. They're like, we will find somewhere for you. And he's like, I don't want somewhere I want to... Because, like, you know, anybody can be one of the fists, you know? People... He's like, ah, you know, doesn't want to be a lantern man. Like, those are, like, civilians, almost. Like, they're one step away from civilians. And, like, he he doesn't, that isn't, that isn't what he wants. And the calls are like, we want you to be, like, alive and successful. And we're okay with alive and successful looking like something other than what it looks like for us. And... He and I, I think he hears it's okay if you're not really a call, right? Right, and but that that is absolutely not what they are saying, right? But that's how he interprets it. Um, for yeah, most of the time that that is how he interprets it. to Lan and addiction. All right. So there's a couple of, uh, there's like a literal drug. And then there's also the probably technically not magic rocks. There's an in-universe debate about whether they're magic or just like, yeah. Uh, interact interestingly with genetics yeah uh, rocks i I Um, like that in universe there isn't a consensus actually i'm a huge fan of that yes that that is pretty great because of course there wouldn't be like there's going to be different opinions even if like religiously or scientifically like there literally is a correct answer no matter what for a thing this embedded in the culture people are going to have debates about it so that's fun uh, in like a great way. Uh, so wearing Jade has physical, mental and emotional effects on the body. Uh, and 
Lan gets injured, and as part of when he got injured, he won the fight, which means that he then gets the Jade of the Loser, and that person had a lot of Jade, and Lan puts on all of it. And we should point out that in the fight, Lan's whatever the thing is that allows him to connect to the Jade was also damaged, and he was explicitly told by a doctor take it off don't wear it heal first and his response was but what if i wear all of it including the extra yep because he and he may well be correct about this it's hard to know because that isn't the way it went he thinks that if he doesn't wear the jade that he won and especially if he takes off any of the jade he started with that he'll be perceived as weak and there will be um fighting in the clan like maybe jostling and thinking that he can't handle it and then definitely it'll be perceived as weakness by the mountain who would uh like hit back harder and try and hurt him even though the most recent thing that happened was that they lost a fight in a way that means they're supposed to pause like probably a little bit but Um, you could also argue that like he still made the wrong choice because his choice ended up killing him. So like maybe oh, the sure. other one would have been better. Like it, it's yeah. very, there's just a lot of yeah. factors. And if, if you put in, if you add in the fact that they've talked about that having too much Jade can mess with your ability to regulate your emotions and your ability to like regulate your thoughts and your, and control impulses. Um, him putting on more Jade going, I'm fine. And everybody else going, "Mm, you're not fine though. And him going, yes, I am. And they're like, how can you tell? And he's like, I have to do this because of all of these implications. And other people are like, that's not maybe as severe as you think it is. It, it makes it feel like he is overreacting to the situation because he is essentially overstimulated with this thing. Yeah. And then there's also a literal chemical addiction because he starts taking a drug to help him handle the jade but there's a it definitely seems like this is the kind of drug where you can have um you have to like build up a tolerance like because yeah you're not supposed to go on and off and on and off yeah yeah you're supposed to use it or not essentially right and there's definitely because there's like a, a social cultural stigma against using this drug even when prescribed by a doctor, like this is, um, even when it's prescribed with these guidelines, like because of how worried he is, he ends up trying to go without it for a bunch of days. And then that makes him not able to handle it when the jade is too much. So then he takes the drug to help him deal with it, but he hasn't been using the drug for several days. And so then the drug itself then like makes him have a bad reaction. And it's like, if only he had felt comfortable taking the medication he had been prescribed at the times and dosages and whatever that he was supposed to, because this was supposed to help him handle it. And the way he feels, and again, because of the Jade messing with him, it's hard to know how much he's right. Um, because he feels like it's wrong to take it, but also he needs it he then it then ends up worse um and so sad it just it just it just really sucks um 
for him. Like, not only because he died, but like it, it just that that cycle where he has this thing that's supposed to help, but he doesn't feel like it's okay for him to actually use it and get that help. Um, yeah, that's that's very much a. I'm not drawing. I don't want to draw real world parallels, but I do want to note that that situation of like you can't ask for help because you don't think you have resources available for whatever reason. And in his case, it's because of his status. He needs to not be seen or he thinks he needs to not be seen asking for help. So we have, we have this person who feels kind of backed into a corner and they feel like they have to do this thing. And then they feel like they can't stop, but they can't do the thing that they know would be healthier for them. And then they end up just, it's, it's kind of odd because we, it's, almost it almost reads like an overdose because they have too much jade and they can tell and we get this moment in the narrative where they kind of they kind of he kind of goes you know what i feel wrong (laughs) i feel not okay what am i gonna do about it well there's nothing i can do so i'm just gonna kind of make decisions and then his decisions and he's making these decisions thinking like he's at the top of his game, that he's in control of himself. And of course, he'll have the reflexes. And then we kind of get this picture later after he dies that like he's just he is the way he died even should not have killed him. Because the the way that they use the jade, one of the, the big ways is is to actually protect themselves almost a, a, a an energy armor essentially and somebody just walked up and shot him (laughs) like one shot one kill no like in the directly like and then he fell off the pier into the river and drowned like they shouldn't even have gotten close these are just these are untrained teenagers just doing things and they managed to get up and kill him and that shouldn't have taken out quite frankly anybody in his entire structure of jade users much less the most experienced oldest most powerful person but it's because he he just didn't know what was going on and he's just doing things and thinking that he's fine and that he's invincible and then he then then he gets shot with the one shot one kill comment i will say that there were some waves of bullets before that he did deflect, but then a several minute gap. Yeah. And then we have, Oh, but those are two different incidents. We have, we have sure he's deflecting this and then he goes off by himself, runs down an alley, runs into this other person. And this other person just goes, Oh, you're my person. Bam. Yeah. Done. (laughs) Yeah. And like, even the decision to run down that random alley. Yeah. Like his family members look at that and go, what, why? (laughs) Why was he even over there? That makes no sense. Uh, there's just so many pieces there where we, we really watch him on page have less and less control and less and less cognitive reasoning through what will happen if I do X, Y, Z. Yeah, And less and less awareness of his surroundings and less and less understanding of how he is feeling and reacting and doing. And it's just... But it's laid out so mixed with everything else that's going on so we'll talk about this in our in our wrap-up but like there's a lot of like structural pieces where we're not just sitting there and watching this person fall apart we get like a glimpse and then we get somebody else's looking at him and then we get somebody else doing something over there and then we get back to him and then we get this other piece and then 
And then we just watch him like make this very bad consecutive row of decisions suddenly out of like not out of nowhere but like it's like we narrow in on him and then this just happens but it's not out of nowhere we've seen it kind of go as as right, it gets we know worse and worse why it got to be like this right yeah but one of the big things that i just think is good to highlight is that we see him we see people offer help and we see him decide that he can't take it and then we get and then we see his family later being just frustrated and angry and upset and sad because they did want to help and they could see it that there was a problem and that they wanted they literally offered like <laughs> like hey <laughs> you're not alone in this and he goes yes i am and then runs off essentially plot wise <laughs> Nostalgia is one of the strongest forces in the human psyche and is responsible for the continued existence of some of our favorite fandoms. From the minds behind the Dole Up and Dreams podcast and Isolation Cast Voices from Quarantine, Saturday Morning Confidential takes you on a deep dive into the properties that helped influence the artists and creators of today. So whether you are a Goonie, a Gym Girl, a Digi Destined, or you just want to return to Oz... New episodes release on Fridays bi-weekly starting January 1st of 2021. And join us on the Wednesdays after the main show for the Serial Killer Radio Hour, where we sit down with the people responsible for the toys, shows, and fandoms that you love. Now you can find Saturday Morning Confidential at certainpov.com backslash smcpod or on your favorite podcast platforms. So don't forget to tune in for another deep dive into the files of Saturday Morning Confidential. On to the wrap-up and ratings for Jade City by Fonda Lee. For sexual abuse, uh, the gratuity rating. Um, so, I actual abuse is backstory we don't see it but we do have some descriptions of artifacts of it and i would put those as mild i was gonna argue for moderate okay i i will take moderate what's the argument for moderate uh we don't just know that it happened we get details of things that the abuser did to mark it like said photos nope that makes we get outfit exists you know we Mm -hmm. we have things like that that yeah make it harder (laughs) to read i think i think moderate but i think actually i take it back this might might well moderate or severe i think it i think it's how we want to split up gratuity versus care no 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 moderate yeah yeah i think moderate um then for parental death it is backstory there's a lot of like anxieties and worries like about it. I think it's mild. But, yeah. <laughs> I think it's mild because I think it's mostly just in this character's head. Yeah. Um or the maybe maybe moderate because backstory. it affects how the other people in the other area react. 
Yeah, but they Except aren't. We don't know that not, they grabbed him because of his parent. It could have. It could have literally nah, just I, been because he was the youngest one in the family and the one not already signed up. That felt well because at that point we're then talking about what is the what is the gratuity rating for kidnapping, which like is a separate discussion. So like, oh, that's fair. Then backstory yeah. moderate. Yeah, yeah, I, I will. I would argue for backstory. It's just. But we get some descriptive it's, details of what happened from him because he was an okay. eyewitness. Okay. I think I think backstory moderate. Okay. Or no, actually no. Backstory severe because we get literal descriptions of the thing with his mom. I I I really I think it has more care taken. But I'm I'm pushing for backstory severe. Okay. I I'll explain why off screen, <laughs> off air. Okay, all right. Okay then. Um, I'm like really struggling to recall most specific descriptions for it. That's okay. Like, That's probably a good thing. Okay. All right then. So you're saying backstory severe. Okay. Yeah. Um, for the addiction, I that is severe. I think. Um. Yeah. Because we have a lot of ways that it is affecting him. It's first person point of view. Yep. The one thing I will say uh, for anyone who hasn't read this book, it is not a real world thing that you could actually really take or be addicted to. I mean, it's a real world stone, but it doesn't affect people in a real way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say Jade has uh, you, you can't you can't be a superhero from Jade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it for real. Like you you can't. Yeah. Um uh yeah, but I think yeah, the addiction is is severe. Um for the trauma, integral, interchangeable or irrelevant. Mm. For the sexual abuse, I think I, it is I think it's interchangeable. Yeah, interchangeable. Uh, I think we needed some reason for Shay to not be in the picture originally, but it didn't have to be that thing. Yeah, and I will. She didn't. It's that the catalyst the for ins- her leaving, and it's the catalyst for her not trusting her family anymore. I didn't understand it as the direct catalyst. I thought the issue with the boyfriend that is completely no. has nothing to do with sexual abuse was this- the particular thing. Uh, okay, so it's it's a direct catalyst because she pulls away yeah and emotionally preps her to be more okay leaving well we'll not just that that. not just that it puts her at odds with her grandfather and his advisor in the first place because she's disobeying Mm. or she pulls back she stops doing the things that made her the golden child Mm -hmm. and then she also goes after this foreigner like it is a catalyst even if it's not the catalyst okay so but it, there had to be something there for her to even be in a position to have this other thing. Like, And I was also thinking in relation to, like, Doru specifically, that right. it, this makes sense as, it, you know, like we said, consistent with his character that he would have done this thing and that it would fit with the other ways in which he serves an antagonist role in some, in some ways. Um... But it is interchangeable. Like, it didn't have to be this. 
than for parental death. Mm. I Ir- interchangeable. I think it's a, I'm going to argue ir- either interchangeable or irrelevant because the like I think they needed a reason for him to be the target. Mm-hmm. And this gave them that. I think that the meeting was integral to the rest of the things that happened. But the reason why he was there to have that meeting didn't have to be this. I think it's interchangeable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even if Uh, he's not like the main player shaker mover, I think he is still the agent for a lot of these important details. Yeah. I'm just trying to think how much his parents' death how much it had to be that in order to play out in all these other ways. I mean, it had to be that for him to be able to be given the wording of the offer that he was. Okay, I mean, yeah, for that very particular event. But, but like, but like they, they waited for him because of his age. They waited for him because they could tempt him with even pretending that his family didn't care. They could, you know, there, there's so many details where if they changed this one thing, it would yeah. alter things but it wouldn't alter the path of the story but it would alter enough stuff where it would alter other things so i think it's interchangeable i don't think it's irrelevant but i think it's not also not integral i'll go with you on on interchangeable but it does feel like you're rating kidnapping which wasn't our topic no i'm not i'm not because it was but okay i'm i'm literally not rating the kidnapping i'm reading the wording that was used when he was in that situation which is not the kidnapping it's the the reason of the thing about him that made him a good target and made him a vulnerable asset to seize in that situation and also a reason why that the offer coming from him or handed to him was taken seriously by the coles like all of these things hinge on that one fact that his parents died so he didn't start directly in that family but then they took him in because of that event but the I, same I offer would not have been made to any other character and he's the only one with the setup to have it yeah I, I do agree with you about it being interchangeable um okay then the addiction i it is integral i think yes yeah because it's it it is i think this one is is interesting because it is integral but it is integral because the discussion of Jade is integral. I think if if the discussion of Jade was not so much a focus in this book, then we might move it to interchangeable because there had to be some way for him to be taken out of the picture. But the fact that Jade and how it affects you and how it works and the distribution of it and the distribution of the thing that he actually uses to manage it, and like s- there's so many details there that dramatically would alter the rest of the plot if they were not a problem. I think it pushes it to integral. And also as to like how important is Jade, the book, like it's all three Jade books City. in the trilogy have Jade in the title. <laughs> it's very important. I mean, it is very, it is the plot. It is the yeah. catalyst for everything else that happens. All right. Uh, treated with care uh, for the sexual abuse. I think this was treated with a lot of care. I think it was treated with enough care. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I'm going to say enough for the same reasons I kind of alluded to before. There's some 
There's some brief description. Yeah. Yeah. There's some brief description of trophy type things that we also have some flashbacks from uh, from Shay as she's actually telling us things that happened, um, which the fact that they are flashbacks, the fact that they are her remembrances and not first person POV of the victim, the fact that we see it all as a, as a backstory thing, all of those are protective measures, but it doesn't stop the fact that like we have enough evidence there to be able to get a picture. So yeah. I think it's enough. Yeah. Hi, Grimoire. Saying hello. Saying hello to me. Saying hello <laughs> to the mic by moving it. Fun times. Okay. All right. For the parental death, what are your thoughts on that? I think this is treated with not enough care. Okay. Um, but I don't want to explain why, because explaining okay. why would be describing the things that were not treat that were not enough care about it, and that's too much. Yeah. Yep. Um if anybody okay. wants me to talk about that, maybe I could talk about it later in some platform where you have to like knowingly consent to listening to it. <laughs> Um, but I, I don't actually want to outline that, but I think it's not enough. Okay. All right. For addiction, I think, I don't think care was the aim in these descriptions, like, frankly. I don't think um, it was either, but I think there is enough pieces that keep it far enough removed from our reality. Yeah. But I think it's either yes or enough but I'm not okay. sure where in that situation it stands. I'll go with enough. Because, um, yeah, because we, a thing that we, I mean, haven't talked about for a bit, but, like, is, like, a thing we definitely have in mind is, like, fantasy analogs for real world things. And I do agree that there's a certain, like, ground level of care that happens yeah. in, yes, there's addiction and a drug, but it is literally not possible for any readers of this book to also be addicted to that exact same thing and also the things that it is doing to you are not analogous to the real world either like sure they are things that you could functionally have happened to your human body yeah but as far as i know I mean, it's not one-to-one -to, -one to anything in our like, real world so yeah because it's not a one-to-one -one, you can there's a distance there you can clearly recognize that this is what is happening but you're not experiencing it with them and then clear or muddy or tangled i think this is tangled because like even mm. within the main characters they don't even all they, agree yeah yeah they don't all agree and there's also like it's not the answer isn't well and one of you is wrong it's like right this is we have to have some agreement about how we're going to proceed but just because they proceeded that way doesn't mean that it was the right thing to have have done. Um, I actually want to push back a cases. little bit. I might. I want to make an argument for muddy. Okay. That's our middle option. Uh, so we are given some pretty clear indicators that we are mostly supposed to agree with our main characters. However. We then we kind of get splashes of, but what if the thing that they want is actually not better? I don't think it's necessarily okay. tangled because I think we get enough. 
I think we get enough of like the thing this other person is doing is the worst. I think we get enough of that that I think it's and not we do clear. Also have thoughts about how the Aspenians would not understand and not be okay with any of this. Right, um, right, right. A um, thing that'll matter a bit more in book two, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's not clear because. We don't have one group that is set up as like the morality leader who's doing all of the right things and it's never a problem and it never backfires. But I think it's not I think it's not tangled because we have a clear dichotomy of like one group is causing explicitly intentionally less harm than the others. And I think we have I think I wanna I think it's muddy because we like we are given the we are given some things which are hallmarkers for us to go either decide they are right or decide that they are wrong but we're not given like you know we're we're still supposed to root for these people we're still supposed to think that they have the best interest in mind even if we think they're wrong and so i think that that's muddy okay i can agree on that that grimoire can agree on how much she wants to uh be on the microphone I uh, in a physical sense and not an audible sense because she's right. meowing all right yeah I'm 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 good with muddy it's definitely not clear um, no it's not clear but I, I think yeah. the our argument when we set up the system was that tangled was when there are multiple people who we could be right depending on their point of view but like oh okay we're I, not given that we're given a bunch of people that are doing bad things and then one group that's trying their best but also it's not working <laughs> i think that's muddy <laughs> oh yeah because we do like we do have the the perspective of someone not in the clan who yeah. is working against them yeah and yeah okay then for point of view uh for trauma and the aftermath so for the sexual abuse we don't know the perspective of any of the direct victims um yeah i um and so it's just shay really yeah and if he was abusive to her the text doesn't discuss it uh then parental death we have the kid left behind and then for addiction we have the perspective of the actual person being affected as well as those around who are concerned to whatever degree i'm putting for addiction i'm saying multiple yeah because we we really do get like several we get the the we get what is actually happening to him we get people looking at it we get people being concerned outside of it like we just have multiple things happening here yeah i just hi grimoire i do want to note <laughs> that one of the perspectives that we do get is of the person who is addicted like oh yeah 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 just want to say that but yeah putting multiple for your list makes sense uh okay trope spotter all right so this is where we uh or i uh briefly talk about one of the tropes that's in the book uh so this trope is duel to the death uh it is pretty self-explanatory there is a duel to the death one of the narratively speaking one of the fun things with this is that they have this like a specific in-universe term for what this is called Mm -hmm. um it's called the it's offering a clean blade 
and so if like this is accepted and then it is like a clean blade fight like no one can interfere during or after and you know they stand there and let the winner take the loser's jade off the body like you know, it they they have specific rules and they they follow them and they have duels to the death. It is a thing, uh, and uh, if if that is a thing you like, Jade War, mm, such <laughs> a it uh, it has one that is amazing. Uh, but that is not the particular book we are discussing today. It is the sequel, however. But yes, they have the the clean blade duel to the death. Uh, in this book and in the series. All right. What is your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? <laughs> um, I'm actually a huge fan of the personalization of the jade. Mm-hmm. Different ways to wear it. Yeah. You've got people who get it embedded in their various places in their body. They have people who put it onto jewelry. You have people who get it like sewn into clothing you have people and and not everybody is the same not everybody i don't i can't think of other than like the training bags that I was gonna apprentices are wearing bands. i can't yeah. think of any two characters who are depicted the same way yeah at least not you know in close enough proximity that i can remember them both at the same time and i also like this some people have people have different reasoning for it like you know, you've you've got people who want to be able to take it all off and relax. You've got people who want it to never be out of their sight. So they literally have it essentially surgically embedded into them, their body. But like there's a whole gambit of logic behind it and personality and just position of power that you are in. And I I love how personal it is. And there's a lot of there's so many books where you know, if you have the pretty magic item, you wear it this certain way because the certain way you wear it denotes your rank or the certain way you wear it denotes your faction or your education or your whatever. And this series is not unique, but is definitely like less of the norm in the the books that I have read where, you know, there's no set rules for it. There's no, there's no code that you are ad- adhering to. There's no significance to where you place things like that's just doesn't exist you just wear it the way you like it and that's the end of it yeah Uh, i mean even it's a quantity thing it it is it's a quantity thing and so so and and even with even with that like you know showing it off denotes power but we also have characters explicitly in this book who like hide their jade because they want the power but they want it to be a surprise and like that's so even i mean so many books that we've read even like even one of the first series that we did the abortion series like those characters have set instruments and set tools you know every abortion has a set of bells and their bells might be particular to them they might have different handles they might have different straps but like it's always worn the same way it's always used the same way it's always has the same symbology it's the same code like and it's it's so much you know we we have we have read so many books that are like that where like the significance of how and what you do with it tells the people who see you something that has to do with your place in the world but this book went the other direction and said how you display it has to do with you as a person mm-hmm. regardless of anything else 
happening in your life. And I just I thought it was really cool. And I really enjoyed like reading all of the different descriptions of characters, quite frankly. Um, like there's a bit where like Hilo meant like after um, winning some Jade, Hilo mentions that he's going to have it reset. Yeah, so, like exactly. Some people just take it as is how <laughs> the person they defeated had it. And some, you know. Right. Some are some are like, you're going to recognize this look, which means you know that I got it from that person. And other people are like, I'm going to make it my own. And you can't like there's mm-hmm. you can't stop me, essentially. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. this, this is one of those books where if this were ever put on screen in any way, shape or form, I would hope that the costume designer goes to every single actor who is and it goes to the main cast and says, OK, your character has a subscription. But then, you know. For ephemeral characters, I would hope that the costume director would go, costume designer would go to individual actors and say, where would you wear it? And have them, like, choose. Because you would want that kind of personalized display. You know, this is the kind of book that would be very much harmed by the, like, everybody gets a sleeve (laughs) kind of costuming. But I, I think it's very cool. I think I, I just I really like it. All right. My favorite non-traumatic thing. Okay. There's a lot to love. There's so much to love in this book. But there's this tiny moment really, really early on when it mentions um, uh, the bikers with like neon headlights and the headlights that they have are green, blue, and red. And yeah. now that the whole trilogy is available, I'm like, those are the colors. Those are the covers of the book. That That's it. They, <laughs> I Symbology achieved. Yeah, we did it. You got the covers to match. It's great. It, it matches a detail from book one. And I'm, I'm very excited about that. Um, so I don't know if that's like completely my absolute favorite thing, but I... On the reread, I loved noticing that detail. Uh, so, hello, Grimoire. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for joining us for this discussion of Jade City, and we will catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at Books That Burn at Yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at Kofi.com slash Books That Burn or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com slash books that burn all patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content including the second half of all interviews and will receive a one-time shout out to get updates on our written reviews recent episodes and newly completed transcripts subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn you can find us on apple Podcasts, pandora spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review wherever you're listening this helps people to find the show thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks